0: Chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. said, it doesn't matter how slowly you run, so long as you don't stop. As many of us know, running the race as a follower of Christ can be difficult. There's always unexpected obstacles to overcome and unwanted pain to manage. It's easy to stop. But scripture reassures us that any obstacle or pain we face pales in comparison to what awaits us at the finish line. It's not about getting there first. It's about running with purpose and with peace. The end of Hebrews tells us how to do that. How to keep on running life's amazing race to victory. We are starting a new sermon series this week on Hebrews chapters 10 through 13. And we have Discovery Bible study bookmarks out in the lobby and on the website. If you want to use that to keep up with the readings for this sermon series, and better yet, if you want to use those as a guide to open up God's word with someone, maybe a neighbor, a friend, a coworker. Uh, someone maybe here at, at church someone in your bible class and just open up God's word together and and see how you see God and what God has to say for you and for your life I would encourage you to use that resource but if you have a bible you might open it up to Hebrews chapter 10 today that's where we will begin let me ask you if someone if someone asked you the question what's it like to live the Christian life how would you answer that what would you say What is it like to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus? You might choose to use a metaphor, or a simile, or an analogy, you know, something familiar to explain something that is maybe less familiar. You might say, well, discipleship is a battle. Or the Christian life is a journey. Or you might choose something like a tug of war between good and evil scripture uses some metaphors to describe what it means to follow jesus what it means to be a disciple the new testament uses several and one of the favorite metaphors of the new testament is running a race you might remember if you've been around the bible very much at all or if you have even attended a funeral that passage where paul says in second timothy chapter 4 verse 7 i have fought the good fight i have finished the what the race I have kept the faith. It's such an inspirational thing to say, especially given the context at the end of one's life to look back and say, I have finished, I have crossed, or I am crossing the finish line. Paul wasn't saying that he literally was running a race and that it was time for him to take off his sneakers and, and hang them up somewhere and sit on the couch. That's not what he was saying. It was a figure of speech. And that metaphor is used throughout the New Testament. Acts chapter 20, 1 Corinthians uses it, Galatians uses it. It's one of Paul's favorites. And in our text, that in many ways is a theme verse for this series from Hebrews chapter 12, look at this, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The writer of Hebrews says, we are in a race, and so let's get rid of anything that's holding us back and let's focus our eyes, set our sights on Jesus, and let's keep putting one foot in front of the other. Let's keep running. Running a race is the perfect metaphor in many ways. You know, it's timeless. People have always been running. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think Even before Jesus' day, for some 700 years, there were the ancient Olympic Games. People have been running races for a long time. It is a timeless metaphor. But it's also relatable, isn't it? We can understand the metaphor. We can make the connections. Even if you don't run. Believe me, I don't run. There's only one reason to run. Something big and scary is chasing you. That's that's why you run. I've said this before. in in fact one of you gave me one of those stickers those 0.0 stickers thank you Kathy Norman (laughs) I, I don't I don't run actually in high school track I had to run some I was doing field events and every once in a while our coach would say okay all you field event people go run two miles I'm like what Why did he make us run? Did he think we were going to throw the discus and then sprint off to see where it landed and mark it ourselves? No reason to run. It's a true statement. Several years ago, at the Oklahoma City Marathon, as a part of that, I think they did a fun run, or it was a much shorter run. Carrie Ann decides to take Riley. He's a little bitty kid. Go down there, and they're going to walk, jog, or whatever, this fun run. I am literally standing at the finish line with donuts. That's... (laughs) that's not an exaggeration that's what I was doing I don't run and yet even I now I do other things for exercise okay just but even I understand the analogy even I can make the connection and this is what I know about running it is not easy running is not easy it takes a lot of energy it's exhausting it can be painful runners talk about hitting that wall some of you know this you know what it's like when you get that stitch in your side and then all of a sudden things start shutting down and your body says, no more. You know what it's like to hit that wall. Running, to be good at it, it takes training, it takes discipline. It's not, it's not something that's enjoyable. And that's why only like 15% of Americans run. We'll pray for them. 15% of Americans run. Run. Why? Because it's not easy. Now, do you see some parallels there between running and discipleship? Is discipleship always easy? Did Jesus promise an easy life, a comfortable life, a walk in the park? No. Is there training and preparation required to be a disciple of Christ? Yes. Is there discipline needed? Yes. Can it be painful? Are there obstacles to overcome? Absolutely. That's why few choose that life. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, it is the narrow road. So you can make the connection there. You can see the parallels. If we were going to follow Jesus, it is a difficult race to run. Cross-carrying is never easy. And for his immediate audience in the book of Hebrews, and by the way, we don't know exactly who wrote Hebrews. There's been all kinds of speculation But whoever wrote it, he wrote it primarily to his immediate audience, which was Jewish Christians, Messianic Jews, we called them, Jews who had come out of Judaism and claimed Christ as their Lord and Savior. They are running this race. They are trying to live as followers, disciples of Christ, and it is not easy. You see, in the Roman Empire, Judaism was seen as an appropriate religion, but Christianity was not. And so if you are going to claim Christ, if you're going to wear the name of Christ, you are also going to wear a big target. And so for these Jewish Christians, they had fellow Jews saying, you need to leave that nonsense behind and come back to Judaism. You need to be keeping the law. There's only one way to righteousness, and that is self-righteousness by keeping the law. Come on back. It's a path of least resistance. It's what's comfortable. It's what's familiar. But then on the other side, you had the Roman Empire who looked at Christians as a threat, and they looked at Jesus as a threat. And so these Jewish Christians are receiving persecution, they are receiving criticism and pressure from every angle. And I'm sure it influenced all aspects of their life and their livelihood and their health, their well-being. So they are running this race, and I am sure, I am certain, that many of them are ready to stop running they're ready to quit. You might say they've hit the wall. Is this worth it? Is this race real? Is Jesus real? Is this whatever's at the finish line, is it worth it? You see, they needed some encouragement. They needed to know that it was worth it, that it is real, that it matters, and that whatever is at the finish line is absolutely worth it. Now, as we by extension become the audience to which this letter again more of a sermon than it is a letter in the book of hebrews as we hear and read and engage in this text we too need encouragement don't we our circumstances are much different we aren't jewish christians in the first century but we are christians in the 21st century trying to live in a world that is in many ways hostile toward christ and followers of christ and maybe if you even bring it closer to home your own circumstances you for whatever reason however long ago became a christian and now you're wondering is this the right way to go or maybe you're not yet a christian and you're thinking is that what i want to do do i want to enter the race do i want to fight the fight do i want to go back to what is familiar and comfortable or do i want to put myself on the line do i want to keep putting myself on the line You see, as we run the race, we too experience obstacles and pain, requires sacrifice and discipline. And so maybe for you, doubts are starting to creep in. Maybe you're seeing what's going on in the world, and some of it seems to make sense, and so you're getting pulled in that direction. But you know that many of of those things are contrary to God's will and God's word, and so you feel stuck in the middle maybe before things were so black and white and now they seem gray maybe before you became a Christian maybe because of a crowd that you were with and you went along with that crowd and it made sense and it was affirmed by that crowd and now you have a different crowd and they're sending you a different message Maybe you open your eyes and you look around and you see all the evil in the world. You see all the injustice and all the oppression and all the things that are ungodly. And you think, how can God be in charge of all of this? How can this be a part of God's will? And it causes you to question and it causes you to doubt. Maybe recently you've seen people who claim to wear the name of Christ doing things that are very unchrist like And that's discouraging to you. And you're thinking, as you're running this race, is it worth it? I'm getting exhausted, I'm tired, I'm confused, I'm feeling pressure from every side. I don't know if I still want to keep going. One marathon runner described the wall this way. (laughs) He said, it feels like an elephant jumps out of a tree onto your shoulders, and you have to carry it the rest of the way. If you know what that's like spiritually, if you know what it's like to hit the wall spiritually, this series is for you and for others just like you. Because the recurring message at the end of the book of Hebrews is this, hang on. Keep running. Yes, this is real. Yes, Jesus is real. Yes, faith is real. And yes, it is all worth it. So keep running. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. In our text, the writer of Hebrews, again, it's more like a sermon than it is a letter or a book. But this unknown author spends nine and a half chapters of Hebrews establishing establishing that Jesus is superior, that he is better. For his Jewish audience, this is important because he says Jesus is better than Moses, Jesus is better than the angels, Jesus is better than Aaron the high priest, Jesus' authority is greater and the sacrifice that Jesus made is higher than any other sacrifice that has ever been made or will ever be made he spends nine and a half chapters saying Jesus is superior Jesus is better and then he switches gears He brings in the so what. Every good sermon should have a so what. What does this mean? What difference does this make? Chapters 10 through 13 is the so what. Because Jesus is superior, because Jesus is better than all of those things, because he is better than anything the world has to offer, anything your friends say is right, anything better that you had or will have, because Jesus is better, this is what it means. That's what chapters 10 through 13 is. It's the so what. So I want you to notice where he begins. It's the same place we should begin whenever we get discouraged. Whenever we feel like stop, we feel like we should stop running the race. We're going to start in chapter 10, verse 19 of Hebrews. The writer says this therefore, there's that hinge. Because Jesus is better, I spent nine and a half chapters telling you Jesus is superior, Jesus is better. And because of that, he goes on. He says, we have access to God. We can be in the presence of God through Jesus. We do so with confidence, he says. That word also means boldness. How do we approach the God of the universe with confidence and boldness? Because we didn't make any mistakes this week? Because we are so good, so wonderful, so worthy? No, because Jesus has opened the door. Jesus has made a way. You see, before this, before Jesus' sacrifice, the high priest was the only one who was able to go into the Holy of Holies, the very place that represented the presence of God. And the high priest only went there once a year to make atonement on behalf of the people. You couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. And now, what does the writer of Hebrews say? Because of Jesus and his sacrifice, the door has been flung open. The curtain has been torn. Remember what happened at Jesus' death? The curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. That curtain separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, from the courtyard, from where the common people were. And now that curtain has been torn into, and we have access to God. Do you know how significant that is? Try to get your mind around the fact that the God of the universe allows you into his presence. I read recently that you could actually have lunch with the sixth richest person in the world, Warren Buffett. You can have lunch with him. Back in 2000, he decided to do this fundraiser for a charity that he and his wife cared a lot about, still care about, that helped the homeless and the needy. And what his idea was was to auction a lunch with him, the sixth richest person in the world. And so he put it online and put this auction up. Lunch with Warren Buffett. Now, if someone didn't call that buffet with Buffett, they missed an opportunity, didn't they? But I don't think this was a Golden Corral type of lunch. I, I, think, I think this was more than that, because in 2000, the lunch went for $25,000. That better be some good food, right? 22 years later, I just read, last week, it was sold again guess how much it went for this year 19 million dollars for 19 million dollars you can have access to the sixth richest person in the world 19 million dollars what does it cost to have access to the god who created the universe well it cost something didn't it it cost jesus his life and he willingly gave it so you could sit down at the table with the God of the universe, so you could be in the presence of a holy God. And so what does he say to do with that? What's the encouragement here? He says, draw near to him. Draw near to him. That's where it all starts. If you're exhausted, if you're tired, if you're tired of persecution, if you're confused, if you need encouragement, To keep running, that's where it starts. With being in the presence of God. With acknowledging who God is. With drawing near to God. The writer of Hebrews is very fond of this phrase. He uses it three other times. Look at chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then with confidence, there's that word again, boldness, confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Chapter 7, verse 25, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Chapter 11, verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. And so the first encouragement, as you run the race, as you feel the pressure from every angle to stop running. The first encouragement is this, stay connected to God. Stay connected to God. He says, draw near to God. Jesus has made a way for you to enter the Holy of Holies. Now remember, the Jewish Christians who are hearing this, they understand what that means. What do you mean, we can go into the Holy of Holies? I thought only the high priest could. No, you can. And the idea in their minds would be to go there to offer a sacrifice to God probably kneel before God, which is this idea of worship. And when we say draw near to God, and when he says draw near to God, there is certainly an element there of worship. And we gather here on Sundays as a community of faith, as a congregation, as people who are tied together by our common faith in Jesus, and we come to worship God. We draw near God. We know God is everywhere, but there's something about coming together in this space that acknowledges we are in the presence of God, and so we are humbled before him, and we express our gratitude and our praise to him. But drawing near to God is much more than just what happens in this room once a week. Drawing near to God is moving your heart with intention toward God. It is taking every thought captive for Christ. It is conforming your ways and your will to the ways of God and to the will of God. Drawing near to God is approaching God in humility through prayer and going to His Word and hearing what He has to say. When He was trying to teach the people in Athens about how great and glorious God is, Paul talks about God, but then He has this twist. This unexpected twist, this great and glorious God of the universe is right there. He is accessible. He is approachable. Acts 17, verse 27, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. God makes himself available. He is approachable. So draw near to God. How are we able to do that? We've already said it's not because we're worthy or wonderful, but the text says because our hearts have been what? Sprinkled. Our bodies have been washed. Clearly it is alluding to baptism and the salvation power that God displays when we surrender our lives and are buried with Christ and raised with Christ. It's because Jesus has made a way for us to approach God. That's how we're able to draw near to God. Well, why should we do that? Why should we draw near to God? Well, we've already said to worship God, to acknowledge God, to be near God because we love him, we know he loves us. Also, to simply do what he wants us to do. To talk to God, to pray to God, but why do you move close to someone who is speaking to you? If you're out in the, in the lobby after we uh, dismiss here in a few minutes, or if you're in a restaurant and, and someone across the table is saying something to you, but you can't quite hear them, what do you do? You, you, you go in, right? You, you lean in a little bit. You get a little bit closer. And maybe that's one of the reasons we are to draw near to God. We draw near to hear God. And I would say, if, if you don't remember anything else about this sermon, and later someone says, hey, well, you know, what happened in church today? Well, you know, there was, a, was there a sermon? Yeah, I think there was, but I don't really remember. You can remember this line We draw near to hear. We draw near to hear. And so, one of the reasons we draw near to God is so that we can hear what He has to say to us. That's important because there is so much noise in this world, isn't there? There are so many voices competing for your heart and your mind, for your allegiance. There are things being said to you, lies being fed to you by the evil one. And if you can just go this far with him, then you're one step away from truth and you're one step closer to him, the source of all evil. And you're also not running the race when you're going along the side and hearing what someone in the crowd has to say. There are so many voices. God wants to speak truth into your life. If you're trying to figure out who you are and why you're here, God wants you to listen to Him. If you're making decisions about your life, about relationships, God wants you to listen to Him. If you're trying to look at all the evil and injustice in our world and make sense of it, God wants you to listen to Him. When you're trying to decide what you believe and what difference what you believe will make in your life, God wants you to listen to Him. And you have a choice, don't you? Amid all the noise, all the voices, you can listen to the voices that align themselves with the values of the world. And some of what they say makes sense, and some of what they say is appealing or you can listen to that inner voice inside that voice that says hey you deserve to be happy do what it takes to make you happy that voice inside that says live your truth or you can listen to God the God of all truth who wants to speak that truth into your life you see God is for you He cares deeply for you. He loves you. Reach out to him. He is not far away, as Paul told the people of Athens. Back in our text, look at verse 23. What an encouragement. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. You see, hope links us to the promises of God. We have hope, and we run the race with hope, knowing that God has promised to take care of us at the finish line. Hope anchors us to the promises of God. And as we draw near to God, we hear His voice. We hear His promises. And we know, we are assured. Did you see that? We approach with confidence, with boldness, full assurance of faith. We know that God will right the wrongs. That light will overcome darkness. That life will conquer death. And so we have hope. And we hold on to it. And we run with it. It sustains us. It inspires us. It allows us to see the finish line. So draw near to God. Here's the second encouragement back in the text, verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So if the first encouragement as you run is to stay connected to God, the second is this, stay connected to God's people. He says, we need each other. The temptation for these Jewish, these Christian Jews in the first century was for them to retreat, for them to pull away from the, from the group. Because the more people that gathered in Jesus' name, the bigger the target on them. So wouldn't it be easier just to kind of keep to myself? In fact, wouldn't it be easier for me just to go back to the old way? And Hebrews says just the opposite. He says, don't give up meeting together. You need each other. The community of faith provides encouragement to you, but not just that, you provide encouragement to it. He says... Consider how you can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So many of us want to go to church and view church as a place where I just soak it all up. I receive it. And and that's good. And especially in some seasons, we just need to receive and be blessed. But there also comes a time when we don't just consume, we contribute. We don't just receive encouragement from others, but we go out of our way to encourage others. We don't just have others spur us on toward love and good deeds but we go out of our way to do that for others he says we need each other I don't know much about running but I know it has to be easier when you do it with other people it has to be easier when you're running beside someone who is who is keeping pace with you and encouraging you or maybe even someone in front of you who is challenging you and saying you can do it keep going and you're trying to catch them or maybe someone behind you who is pushing you and and supporting you or maybe people on the side who are cheering for you like in a race and they're saying keep going it's got to be easier right it's got to be easier to do together it's so easy for us to fall away sometimes You see, I've seen it before. In 30 years of ministry, I've seen it. Deserting God usually begins with disengaging from God's people. It happens in small increments. Well, you know, we got busy, skipped church a time or two, and and then you get out of the habit, and then, you know, well, is it really necessary? Do I need to be there? What do I have to offer those people? And, you know, I, I don't... I don't get much out of it anyway. That preacher, he's a little crazy. I didn't agree with something he said. Or, you know, our classroom is hot. Or, you know, I can never find a parking spot there anyway. And we sing new songs. And we sing old songs. And I don't know. It's it's easy to find reasons to just pull away, isn't it? And to justify in our minds why we pull away. And he says, you need each other. We need each other. We need to spur one another on. We need to encourage one another. We need... Did you see what we're spurring spurring each other on? Toward love and good deeds. Love and good deeds. We need to love and to be loved. So stay connected to God. Stay connected to God's people. God has always desired that. From the very beginning, go back to the very beginning, God had this intimate relationship with his creation, with humankind. And it wasn't God that left them. Who was it? It was people. It was us who said we want to be independent. And so we pulled away from God. We want to do our own thing. We're listening to other voices. God has always desired to be with you, for you to dwell with him. He went to great lengths to make that happen. When COVID hit, there was a woman in Jacksonville, Florida, named Mary Daniel, who didn't get to see her husband for 114 days. He had Alzheimer's, and a few years before that, they had put him in a memory care facility. And She would go every evening to see him, and she would stay until it was bedtime, and she would help him get ready for bed. Every night, she would do that. Well, of course, when COVID hit and all the restrictions came down, especially on assisted living facilities and those kinds of things, she, she couldn't go. She just, they had rules, and she, they wouldn't let her in. And she tried the old, you know, go to the window thing a couple of times and see him through the window. She said, that just, that didn't work because I would just get sad, I would start crying and then I was afraid I was discouraging him and so she said, I can only do that two or three times. The employees at the memory care facility knew her frustration and knew her heart and they knew her desire and one day out of the blue, she got a phone call. It's was from the, the corporate office of the memory care facility. And they said, you know, Mary, we've, we've, we feel for you. Um, we want to do something for you. We know you want to see your husband. We know you haven't been able to see your husband. What would you think about taking a part-time job inside the facility and that way you could see your husband? She said, I'll do anything. Absolutely. And so they hired her as a part-time position to wash dishes. That's what she did. She went every day to this facility and she washed dishes dishes why did she do that because she wanted to see her husband and every day after her shift she got to spend time with her husband she said his whole demeanor changed she said he knew that he was loved because i was there in the flesh she said i want to spend every day with him i got to tell you that reflects the heart of god Because God wants to spend every day with you. And he went to great lengths to make sure that happened. What did he do? He sent Jesus, who took the form of a servant, who was willing to do anything if it meant spending time with you, if it meant opening up the door, tearing the curtain, making the way for you to be with God, whatever it took. That's what he was willing to do so that you could dwell with God, so that you could draw near to the one who constantly draws near to you. This week, as you live, you do not live on an island. You do not live alone. Draw near to God. Stay connected to God. Stay connected to God's people. Be encouraged to keep running the race because what's at the finish line is well worth it an eternity in the presence of God if we can help you this morning let us do that if you're ready to put Christ on in faith and baptism do that don't wait any longer a couple of our shepherds and their wives will be in the parlor it's a room right behind me you can stop by there and they'll pray for you and encourage you or you can come down to the front and we'll lift you up in prayer as a church family if there's something we can do we invite you to come as we stand in soon nearer, still nearer, close to thy heart, draw.